Today we begin a new series. It's called Driven. It's actually the same vision, which has moved beyond, but just a different series and a new application maybe of that vision in our lives. Driven. Someone who is driven has an urgency about them, and they're very determined to succeed. And corporations are always looking for people who are driven. They're the kind of people they want to hire. And when we think about the term driven, we think about the corporate world, but it actually applies in the church as well. If you think about through the history of Christianity, some very ordinary people have done some pretty extraordinary things because they have been driven by a special force in their lives. Think about this church. There are a lot of ordinary people in this church who have been driven to do some extraordinary things throughout this church's history. Even today, as I look around this room, I, I see some folks that I know didn't set out to be anything extraordinary. But rather, God has come and he's changed you. And he's driven you to do some pretty extraordinary things. And that's what we want to talk about today, is about being driven. There's one thing we need to be careful about, though, when we talk about driven, is we need to realize who's doing the driving. If you're being driven, who's doing the driving? Well, technically, it is impossible for you to be driven if you're the one doing the driving. Think about that for a moment. You can't be driven if you're doing the driving. Now, some of you may argue and have a different point of view, but I think it's important for us to know as we look at the subject of the Spirit, which we're going to be looking at, and as we look at this whole idea of being driven, that it's important for us to realize that we're not the ones who are doing the driving. Let me give you a couple of examples. If you are driven to succeed... You're not driving. You're being driven by success, the desire to succeed. If you're driven to serve, you're not doing the driving. You are being driven by a desire to meet the needs of other people. And for believers in Jesus Christ, as the title of our series implies, as God's people, we are being driven. In other words, we are driven to live lives that are driven by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I believe as individuals and as a church, if we are driven by the Holy Spirit, then we are going to be driven to do three things. And we're going to be talking about those three things over the next few weeks. But today we're talking about driven to be uncontrollable. The idea being that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is uncontrollable. And if we are driven by the Spirit, we are also going to be uncontrollable. Now, uncontrollable can carry some meanings that maybe I don't think that's what I want to be. But as we go through this, I hope that you'll see that this uncontrollable power of the Holy Spirit is something that will drive us, in a good sense, to be uncontrollable in the kingdom of God. Let's look at some scripture today. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. It says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. One of the important things about being driven, since you're not doing the driving, you need to trust the person that is. You need to be able to trust the person that's doing the driving. I like what the writer of Acts does when he starts out this, this whole section that we're going to be looking at today. And he talks about reasons that we can trust the words that are going to follow. He talks about Jesus. And he says after Jesus was risen, that he gave many proofs that he was alive. And he realized that there would be people like us reading this centuries later. And so he gives us an example. He says Jesus was eating while he was eating. Listen, dead people don't eat, okay? So he's offering to us this great proof, this great sign that, yes, Jesus was not just some spirit floating around, but Jesus was actually alive, that he'd actually come back from the dead, and he was actually a living, breathing, and eating person when he rose from the dead. He wants us to be able to understand that because what follows what follows, we need to be able to trust. So he wants to establish right at the very beginning that this Jesus that's going to be speaking here is someone that we can trust. And the first thing that Jesus tells them to do is to wait. We're not in control of what happens. He says to wait. Don't go out looking for the driver. Don't try to be the driver yourself because you're impatient. He says to wait and let the driver come to you. Actually, it's more than a driver. It's a driving force, the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. God is in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, the creator of the universe, became a man in Jesus Christ and came to earth and died for the sins of the world. Jesus rose again. And he ascended into heaven after his resurrection. Now his physical presence had left the earth, but he sent the Holy Spirit to be a spiritual presence with us in his physical absence. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was a, a, a spirit that dealt with individuals in individual situations. But when we look at God sending the Holy Spirit as he did at Pentecost, which is in Acts chapter 2, when we look at God sending the Spirit, the Spirit came to live within us. This, we are believers in Jesus Christ. And as we've talked about on more than one occasion, the Spirit comes and is alive and is a presence in us. But here's what we need to realize. The Holy Spirit is not just a major theme of the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is not just some theological concept. The Holy Spirit is the major point of continuity between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the church. So when we talk about being driven, the first clue to being uncontrollable is the idea of continuity. When we look at what Jesus did and what Jesus said, what he taught, that's what we're to be about. The Holy Spirit provides that continuity. We talk about our calling and we talk about our ministry. Really, what we do as a church, what we do as individual believers is a continuation of what Jesus did. It's not just some new phenomenon. It's not just something that we discovered, but rather it's a continuity. It's not our calling so much and our ministry so much as a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit provides that point 
of continuity. Acts chapter 1 verse 6 says, Then he gathered around him, and then he gathered around him, they gathered around him rather, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Some point to this as being just another example of the disciples and their kind of misguided ideas about things. But I don't believe this at all. The, the disciples asked, Lord, are you going at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's actually an intelligent one. Because the prophets had talked about the, the Holy Spirit coming and connecting that with, the, with restoration. So it wasn't just something that they pulled out of the air or some misguided concept. And then if you look in Acts chapter 1 that we just read, verse 3, the, the Lord instructed his disciples about the kingdom. It says he did. And he certainly gave them the right impression as he instructed them about the kingdom. So it's not so much the fact that they were just way out there with some strange concept. It was actually a, a very good question. But Jesus' answer to them in verse 7 is he says, you know, it, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. It's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. The, the words he uses here can mean a specific time as well as the spans of time. So in other words, none of that is, is our, is that, uh, that we can understand. None of that. He says God has set it by his own authority. And what Jesus is saying is he's not telling them they were wrong in their understanding of these things. But what he's saying is, look, that's not really what I have for you to do. I have something very special for you to do. And you know how we are. We get off base sometimes. We're well-meaning. We, we get kind of wrapped up in, in something, and it's really maybe not wrong, but it's really not what God wanted us to do. I'll give you an example. I know a lot of people who will really just pour everything about them into end-time prophecies. They'll read about it. They'll study about it. They'll try to figure out all these things, which we really can't figure out anyway. But, but they will try to, to put all this together to where it makes sense. And they'll just spend all these hours trying to figure things out. But in the meantime, what they miss are some of the things that Jesus told us to do. Like feeding the poor and clothing the naked and helping the widow and the orphan. All of those things we miss, which are specifically our calling as God's people and certainly a continuation of Jesus' ministry. But we get caught up in things that are not bad. It's just that we're misguided, and that's what the disciples were going through here. Then in verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Into the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. Jesus told them to stay and wait for the Spirit. Staying and waiting for the Spirit was essential. The Spirit coming to them before they acted was essential. There was no way in themselves that they would have power. Jesus says, you will have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Don't go out yet. Wait for the power. That power is essential for you to do the mission that God 
has put before you. And it's that way with us. There's a power that comes to us as believers in Jesus Christ, but so often we try to go out on our own. We're not patient. We don't want to wait, and we'll strike out on our own. And it may be some really good cause, but we're trying to do it in our own power, and in our own power, we're powerless to do that. Because what happens, the power that we need that comes through the Spirit is the power that, that provides for us boldness and courage. It provides for us confidence. It provides for us insight, ability, authority. All of those things that come through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we start out on our own, without that power, we're not going to succeed. No matter how well-meaning we are in the mission. The power is uncontrollable in the sense that we can't control it, that we can't control the source. But it's also important in the idea that if we are controlled by the Spirit, which is uncontrollable, then as we go about our mission, we will be uncontrollable in the sense that we can't be stopped, that there's no outside force that can control us. He says, you'll receive power and you will be what? My witnesses. He tells them exactly what they're going to be given the power to do in the mission that he wants them. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. A witness tells what they have seen or heard. If you go to court and the, the lawyer asks you a question or if the judge asks you something, he's not asking for your opinion. He wants to know what you saw and what you heard. He wants to know facts. And so Jesus is saying, look, I want you to go out and I want you to tell what you have seen and heard. That's what he says to them. For us, he wants us to go out and tell what we have seen and heard as well. We haven't physically seen Jesus, but we know the presence of his Holy Spirit living in us. We know the Jesus that, that came to us, and by faith in him, we have salvation and eternal life. We know the, the Jesus that, that has come to us and has done miracles in our lives and how, how his presence and how his strength that he provides has, has changed us and made us into new people. We know all of those things, and that's what we need to be witnesses to, the witness of what God has done in our lives. The writer of Acts sets it up, and he says, Look, Jesus gave all these proofs, and I want to let you know one of them, that he was eating, that he was alive, and you can, you can trust him. And we need to be able, through our witness, to give people very re reliable, easy-to-see ways that Jesus is alive, that he's real, that he's come into our lives and made a difference. And how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, certainly by our words. And certainly we want to speak words that tell of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. But we also, through our lives, we are walking witnesses to the power of God. If your life has been changed, if you were headed so far down a, a dark road that people had just lost track of you and all of a sudden something has come into your life or someone has come into your life and turned you around, and you are living a life that is totally opposite of what you lived before. And it's a changed life. And they can see a difference. That is the witness that you can live. People say to me all the time, well, I'm just not real good with words. That's fine. Not everybody is good with words. But everybody who's been changed by the power of God can be a witness by the way that they live. 
and other people can see that. There's a little key word here that I think we often overlook. He says that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is right here, and Judea, which is a little farther out, and then Samaria. Now, that's out there with the people you don't like and don't like you. They didn't like the Samaritans very well. And he says, and the ends of the earth. The word he uses here is and, not or. This is not a pick one. This is not, okay, I want you to be my witnesses. Now, you have to choose if you're going to be my witness here or there or there or out there. That's not what he says. He says, you're going to do it all. You're going to be my witnesses. In other words, what's going to happen is the influence is going to go in ever-increasing circles, ever-broadening and going out. And you say, well, how in the world can I do that? I'm right here. Maybe I don't even have transportation. I can't even drive across town, much less go somewhere and somewhere and then to the ends of the earth. The point is, you can be a part of all of that. You can't be a missionary, maybe to outer Mongolia, but you can support someone who is. This church has influence well beyond these walls. This church has influence in our state. This church has influence in our country. This church has influence internationally. And how is that possible? It's because of you. And your support. We can do things here to change our homes, which we are supposed to do. We can do things here to change our community, which we are supposed to do. But our influence is to be in an ever-widening sphere of influence around the world. And we can do that in all sorts of ways. It doesn't just have to be our physical presence. John Piper has said, Jesus is not talking here of an occasional word of witness in our same circle of culture. He's talking about ever-expanding efforts to penetrate more and more of Satan's strongholds of unbelief. We're to be witnesses to break Satan's strongholds of what? Of unbelief. Of unbelief. We miss that sometimes, I think. The, the idea that, that God has put us here. He sends us out to be witnesses of what God has done so that other people will believe. They will believe. We, we can go out and we can do all sorts of good things. We can support all kinds of good projects, but, but what Jesus is saying is you're going to be my witnesses to what God has done for you so that other people will believe. And if they believe, it all starts again. It just ever widens. Witnesses to what God has done for us to break the strongholds of unbelief. It's an uncontrollable power that's given to us from an uncontrollable spirit to make us uncontrollable. That's the idea. If you are ever expanding, if you are ever expanding, you can't control it. Throw a pebble in a lake. What happens? 
the ripples go out and out and out and out and out farther. Can you control that? No, you can't. You throw another pebble in, yeah, that'll stop it. No, that's not what it does. It just sends out more ripples. It's uncontrollable. And that's what God is saying to us. I, look, the Spirit comes in you. The Spirit can't be controlled. I want the Spirit to come into you and make you uncontrollable so that nobody can stop your witness. Here, outside these walls, in our state, in our country, in our world. I want you to be uncontrollable so you can be witnesses for me. But it's not without opposition. And certainly what happened was in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at at Pentecost and people through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, in fact, that very day, the preaching and all these people come to believe and then their, their message just goes out and out and out throughout the world. And, but it doesn't go easily. They, they meet opposition. But I want to read this particular example to show you what God has in mind. In Acts chapter 13, verse 49, it says, The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Well, this is a roadblock. You come to share people good news, and they, some of them are starting to believe, so these uh, highfalutin folks stir up charges against you, and they run you out of town. That's, that's disheartening, isn't it? You would think, but did that stop them? <laughs> no. It says in verse 51, So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy, And with the Holy Spirit. They came to this particular place. They shared their, their witness to unbelievers. People started believing. And so these people who didn't like them, they run them out of town. They think they're stopping their witness. But it's uncontrollable. And what they're actually doing is they're facilitating its spread. They came to this town. They witnessed to these people. They showed them the love of Christ. Some people believed. And these people throw them out of town. And they're like, we'll just go on to the next place. Because it says here, the disciples were filled with joy. And with the Holy Spirit, they were not discouraged. They met opposition. They saw the opposition as a chance to move on, and that ripple just keeps going further and further and further out. And that's what it's about for us, even in the face of opposition. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll find that this happens over and over and over again in some form. And that's what God wants us to do. Even in the face of opposition, even in the face of what seems like disappointment, even what seems like a brick wall, if we have the Holy Spirit, which is uncontrollable, we are uncontrollable, and those brick walls that we think we're hitting are just simply maybe opportunities to redirect us to another place where that sphere of influence can just keep going further and further and further out. In order to do that, There's some things that we need to move beyond that we've talked about today. One is impatience. I don't like to wait. If if I have an idea, I want to do it right now. I'm not patient very much about anything. But said here to wait. Said here to wait. I want to give you an example. We as a church we're kind of impatient because 
we were here in downtown, and God didn't seem to be doing a whole, whole lot. And, and we were getting a little impatient. But God kept saying, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. And then 16, 17 months ago, Celebrate Recovery comes here and helps us to reach out into our community. Uh, that was hard to wait for. That was awfully hard to wait for. Because I was impatient. And I thought, God, you put us here. You want us here. Why isn't anything happening? And God says, wait, just wait. Because you can't go out and do it in your own power. You've got to wait till God's timing comes and he gives you the spirit to go out and to make it happen. Our agenda, it's easy for us to get distracted. There are a lot of good things in the kingdom of God. There are a lot of good things going on. There are a lot of good programs. There are a lot of great missionaries doing a whole lot of work. We say no to a lot of things here. Not because they're bad things, but because it's easy for us to get distracted. We have our little agenda that the more we can do, the better off we are. And God's saying, no, 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 wait, wait. Don't get mixed up in all this stuff. Here's what I've called you to do. It's very narrow. Do it. Be my witnesses, he says to them. But each, different, each church has their own specific, I think, uh, direction that God gives them in areas that they're really gifted in working in. And it's so easy for us to get distracted. So don't go by your own agenda. Go where God's pointed you to go. Uh, again, giving up our own power, moving beyond our, our own power to the power of the Spirit. If we want to be controlled, go on your own power because our own power doesn't get us very far. But if you want to be uncontrollable, move beyond your own power to God's and His control. Self-imposed limitations. Sometimes we think of all of the reasons why things can't happen. Now think about this. Jesus is talking to these people on this mountainside right before he goes to heaven. And he's telling this little band of people, here's what you're going to do when this power comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And they're going, oh, okay. And then he says, Judea. And they're thinking, hmm, okay. Samaria, oh, I don't like them, uh, but okay. And then the ends of the earth, and they've got to be saying, how is that possible? <laughs> Just a few of us. We can't do all that. What happened? They changed the world. That little band of people changed the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't put up self-imposed limitations. They went out and did what God called them to do. And look what happened. The gospel spread and changed the world. And then sometimes we need to move beyond our mediocre expectations. What are our expectations? If the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us the power that it gave those people to change the world. How in the world can we in this age of technology and with a whole lot more people here than they had at that time and with a whole lot more churches around than they would have at that time, how in the world can we have mediocre expectations of what we can do with the gospel of Christ? We ought to be uncontrollable. The church ought to be uncontrollable in our society. And it can. It can be. But somehow we have this defeatist attitude. But look what happened here. And it can happen again. Let that uncontrollable spirit come in and control us so we can be uncontrollable. And so the witness 
of the gospel of Christ will just keep going out and out and out and out and out until it fills every corner of the world. That's what we need to do. We need to be driven to be uncontrollable by an uncontrollable spirit. Let's pray.